Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you on this beautiful Sunday morning. And Lord, we're thankful for each one that is present. Lord, we're thankful that heaven still can come down and glory can still fill our souls. Lord, we ask that we would be able to worship you this morning in our songs. Lord, the special music and the offering. Lord, I pray that during the preaching we would be challenged in our hearts to serve you. And Lord, we pray for those among us who have yet to trust Jesus as their Savior, that today would at least be a step closer toward the understanding of true Bible salvation. We ask for your grace that we may live for you for this coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To the Children's Church. Yes, thank you. Don't want to trip on those cords. The rest of us, let's turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy this morning, the book of Deuteronomy. That is the fifth book of the law. And uh, chapter 29 is going to be our uh, text for this morning. But uh, I want us to go back, if you would, to chapter 27. And uh, this is a, uh, what we might say a, a kind of a different passage in the Bible. Uh, we've often talked, to, uh, talked about it, and, and Andrew alluded to it even in the Sunday school. Paul had to have a vision uh, so he could know God's will because he did not have one of these. And God was making a provision for the nation of Israel that when they got into the land that they were supposed to uh, have access to the Word of God. Now, let's just start in chapter 27. We're going to read down uh, 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 through verse 10, and it says, And Moses with the elders of Israel commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you this day. And it shall be on the day when ye shall pass over Jordan unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that thou shalt set thee up great stones and plaster them with plaster. And thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law when thou art passed over, that thou mayest go in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, a land that floweth with milk and honey as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee. Therefore it shall be when ye be gone over Jordan that ye shall set up these stones which I command you this day in Mount Ebal. And thou shalt plaster them with plaster, and there thou shalt build an altar unto the Lord thy God, an altar of stones. Thou shalt not lift up any iron tool upon them. Thou shalt build the altar of the Lord thy God of whole stones, and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord thy God, and thou shalt offer peace offerings, and thou shalt eat there and rejoice before the Lord thy God. And thou shalt write upon the stones all the words of this law plainly. Now, what God was doing here through Moses, he was finishing his last charge. This is at the end of the book of Deuteronomy. They're just about to enter the land uh, of Israel. And he is telling them that... Uh, uh, the nations uh, of Israel are going to be divided into two. And one is going to stand on half of them on Mount Ebal, the Mount of Cursing. The other half on Mount Jerizim, the Mount of Blessing. 
And they're going to read all the laws and they're going to make an altar there and they're going to write in the plaster on the stones uh, all of the words of this law. That was before the printing press. So there would be access, there was supposed to be access to the words of God. Now, we get through chapters 27 and 28. 27 is cursing, 28 is blessing. And uh, 28 is a lot longer than 27 is. I mean, 28 is longer than 27, praise the Lord. We get down to chapter 29, and God is basically summarizing what is going to happen, and then actually hinting at, not necessarily prophesying that this would happen, but saying that it can, uh, that the children of Israel would sin, they would be removed out of the land, and chapter 30 is about God bringing them back. But let's look at this last verse of chapter 29. Uh, This is the verse that arrested my attention, and I hope that we can spend some time here to our benefit. Verse 29 of chapter 29, it said, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Let's read that again here. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. He says, the secret things belong unto the Lord. We love secrets. How many of you ever had a friend? Well, you... You tell me your secret, and I'll tell you my secret. Once that happens, is it secret anymore? Uh, How many of you ever trusted somebody with something that should have been kept secret, and they told it out loud and embarrassed you? Uh, That's happened to most of us, haven't it? And and yet, we, we live in a world where everybody is looking for special knowledge. You know, the in school, there are just some kids that do well. Kind of makes the rest of us sick, doesn't it? And, and, and somebody writes a book, The Secrets of Doing Well in School. Well, you could actually just put that on one word on one page. Study. Uh, if you want the secret to doing well... Uh, uh, many of you remember the great missionary to China is often called the father of modern missions, Hudson Taylor. And uh, he spent his whole life looking for the secret of true Christianity. You know what it was? Surrender to God. Stop serving yourself. Give up. Let God do his work. It was pretty simple. In fact, it wasn't a secret uh, because it's just in the Bible. Amen? You see, we live in a world, the word secret means to keep from, kept from knowledge or observation, hidden, concealed. Do you know that God has some secrets in this book called the Bible? 
In fact, he'd just gotten finished. He had just finished, excuse me, say that more correctly. He had just finished explaining to Israel, here are the cursings in disobeying my law. Here are the blessings in obeying my law. And you're going to choose cursing. You're going to be removed from the land. This is going to happen. And it did. And as he is summing this up, he says, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. You know what? Uh, I, I was actually reading in a commentary and it says, verse 29 does not belong in the thread of the text here. It breaks the flow of the message. No, it does not. It, it fits perfectly. How many of you have, I mean, I grew up under the threat of the Cold War. How many of you remember that? Hiding under your desk. Uh, And I remember even as a little kid saying, looking out the window and saying, if a nuclear bomb goes off outside that window, what in the world good is this dumb desk I'm hiding under going to do me? Did anybody else think about that? Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I I just trying to figure these things out. And and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, I remember preachers telling me, well, you, you better have a plan ready because when it happens, you're going to want to get out of New York City. Well, I'll tell you, it did happen. We call it 9-11. It did happen. And we've got to understand something. God doesn't tell us certain things on purpose. How many of you have ever worried about something that never happened. Raise your hand. Every one of us had. Uh, statistics prove that 98.2% or something like that of everything you worry about, or is it 97.2, something like that, uh, never happened. 2% of the things that you worry about actually come to happen, but you couldn't do anything about them anyway. So you end up with about 0.8% of the things you worry about actually being something that you could worry about and do something about. Not even 1%. How many of you are willing to take that chance? Oh yeah, every day. We worry about things, don't we? How many movies have they made about somebody just walking down? Boom! You know, you have any idea what that's for? It's to get you to watch the dumb movie. That's what it's for. Uh, it has no other purpose whatsoever. It's not in, based in reality. It's not based in anything except to suck you in and, and make you watch the movie because you cannot possibly know uh, what is going to happen. The world loves secrets. That's what blackmail, extortion psychological torture. They're all about secrets, aren't they? Mr. Cohen was going to tell all the secrets. Some of you are laughing because you know what happened. Uh, I hope they do to Mr. Cohen again what he's already had happen and get him for lying the second time to Congress. Uh, I'll tell you, it's ridiculous. 
Do you think after two, two years of studying, uh, of investigating this thing, if there was something to find that they would have found it? Uh, pray for our president. Secrets. God has some secrets. He doesn't tell us everything because sometimes it's best not to know. Somebody said, if I only knew where I was going to die, I just wouldn't go there. Uh, doesn't work that way, my friend. You see, we like to spend time hunting secrets. I remember early on, when I was still a student in Bible college, I fell in with a group of people. And one of the reasons I did was because they just seemed to know a lot of things that other people didn't know. And so I began studying with them and talking to them. And, oh, well, you know, we could solve all the world's problem. They called it snack shop theology because that was the place where everybody met. And uh, there's just a little, couple of vending machines there in a little basement corner at the college campus. And everybody got there and talked and solved all the problems of the world. And, and of course, nothing ever came of it because nothing was ever real. It was just talk. But I found out something as I began to study with these people that you can take an awful lot of time and energy looking for God's secrets and it gives you the most wonderful excuse in the world for not taking care of the things that are revealed. You see, this this verse has an application. I wish I had a dollar for every person I met that tried to tell me who the Antichrist is. One of my favorites was Bill Clinton. I'm just laughing. You know, the Antichrist is going to be mistaken for Jesus. Now, who in their right mind could make that mistake? I mean, no, nobody could. So don't, don't worry about it. If you're truly saved, if we understand the Bible correctly, and I believe we do, we're not going to be here. In fact, the church has to be removed before the Antichrist can be revealed because whoever would stand up and sign that peace treaty with Israel, bringing real peace to the Middle East, and proclaiming himself as uh, God on earth, every person that holds one of these books would say, you're the fake one. And so God's going to remove us so that all of the religious people that are left here on earth are going to fall down at his feet and worship him as God. Don't worry about the mark of the beast. You know, every once in a while, They'll, they'll get to, uh, you'll have these papers passed out in the subways. They used to do it all the time. 666, mark of the beast. Don't take the chip. And, and um, excuse me, but the chip they're talking about is primarily used for your cats and your dogs. Has nothing to do with the mark of the beast. Trust me. 
Maybe it's a prototype. We don't know. But how about this? If the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, would it not be right, fitting, and downright biblical to let God keep them? To get your fingers out of his bag, we might say. I know the story of some people. They, uh, The mother of the family would do all the Christmas shopping in June and July, and by the 1st of August, all the Christmas presents would be wrapped and sealed in a closet in the family's house. And, of course, you know what the children did. Snuck in when mom wasn't looking, unwrapped all the presents, played with them, rewrapped them, put them back, and they claimed that she didn't know. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, that wouldn't happen in our house, but... You spoil everything when you do that kind of stuff, don't you? You see, the secret things belong to God. What did Jesus tell Pilate, John chapter 18? I mean, I'm sorry, the chief priest as he was being examined by them. He said, in secret have I said nothing. If you want to know what I teach, ask the people in the temple who heard me. I'm paraphrasing here. And what happened? One of the men standing beside Jesus slapped him and said, You revile the high priest? Was Jesus reviling the high priest? No, he's giving them an honest answer. You see, the things that God wants us to know are revealed. Would there be anyone in this auditorium that would be so careless as to hold this book up and say, I got this underhand. I I have read this book through so many times. I know everything that's in this book. I have got God's revelation right here at the tip of my fingers. I mean, there are some people who made those claims. There was a, uh, a preacher many years ago, actually more than one, has claimed to be the walking Bible. Uh, because they could quote chapter after chapter after chapter. The, the strange part of that is, uh, oh, I met one guy who says, well, I've read my Bible through once a month for the last, uh, I can't tell you how many years, he said, but it, it was mounting up to uh, many, 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 many more times than I'll ever get through the Bible in my lifetime. But you know what I found out about people like that? is they claim to know the Bible and they read through it all the time and, they're just, and they make all of these claims and then they don't do anything the Bible says. The guy claimed to read through the Bible once a month for the last 20 years was holding church services in bars and sending out counselors to bars, active bars, serving liquor on Friday and Saturday night to help people in the bars find out about Jesus. Now, I don't claim to be very smart But those of you that used to go to the bars and used to do that things, did you go there to talk to somebody about Jesus? Uh, In the words of our Savior, I trow not. And uh, the word trow is an old English word, but you don't need a dictionary to know what it means. I I mean, you've got to be, there's got to be something loose up here to come up with that kind of thinking. 
Because God's Word has been revealed to us. We have it here. In fact, our greatest struggle is it not trying to find, to read and to do what is here. Uh, I was just talking with one of our neighbors up and down the street here, inviting him to church and and, and said, you know, our church, what we try to do is get rid of the veneers and the traditions and just stick with the Bible. And he said, yeah, that's, that's the old-fashioned way, isn't it? And I said, yes, sir. I said, every, every week I get calls with somebody asking me to buy something new. And I said, I got something old. When I, get, when I finally take care of this, I'll, I'll call you back and get your new thing. I said, but, uh, and, and he got the joke and laughed a little bit and, Listen, it says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children. How long? Forever. That we may do all the words of this law. Now, we do understand the primary understanding of this verse is relating to the the children of Israel. But I do want you to understand, Jesus Christ, this is the purpose for Thursday night Bible study right now. We're going through dispensationalism, and we are being very careful to keep it as it should be. It is a method of Bible study. Lord willing, this Thursday night we'll have gone through all of the seven uh, basic Bible dispensations and then the next several weeks we'll be trying to apply that and to help people understand that we can go to the Old Testament and take a verse like this, not out of context, in context, and, and understand in the Bible that God has kept some things secret. He has concealed them. He has kept them from public knowledge. There are certain things that only God knows. Jesus said, no man, not even the Son of Man. I don't know how that is, how Jesus does not know, but He says, only God the Father knows the day He will return. That's one of the reasons we believe in the imminent or any time return of the Lord Jesus Christ for the rapture of His church. Because... There are many other passages and there are prophecies. People are always talking about the signs of the times. No, no, that happens after the rapture of the church. And before the end of all things at the battle of Armageddon in the tribulation period, many of those things we know about and, and, and we will see. In Galatians, Paul told the Galatians in chapter 1, If we come back and change our message, let us be accursed. If an angel appears from heaven and gives you any other message, let him be accursed. And those words, accursed, means condemned to hell forever. You know, many people over the years have tried to change God's word. But what did Paul say just before that? He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed. And we just preached on that. He said, unto another gospel, because you cannot have the truth of this Bible and any other truth. Because it's not true. 
people call lies truth all the time. If it weren't for the fact that you could call a lie the truth, politicians would be out of business now, wouldn't they? Uh, They have nothing left to talk about. And so what we have to understand is that God has revealed things. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And we've been through this verse, and so we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but we do, I do want to just read this and stop here and, and get a hold of this thing, because it says, But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. The things that are revealed belong to us. Look at verse 3 of Second Peter chapter 1. It says, according as His divine power hath given unto us. Now, what are those two next words there? Let's try that again. I'm going to read it and then you fill it in, okay? According as His divine power hath given unto us all things. Now, here's what all things are that pertain unto life and godliness. Now, if you have life... And godliness, is there anything else you need? According to the Bible. Actually, there isn't. If you have those two things, it says, His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. How do we get these all things? Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Here's what the problem is. We do not know enough about Jesus. But let me ask you a question. Where are you going to find out about Jesus? Well, I'm just going to lock myself in my closet. I'm going to turn out the lights. I'm going to stay there until something happens. Could I challenge you? Don't do that. Because you're not going to find out about Jesus that way. There are people who say, well, I'm going to look up into the stars at night and I'm going to study the universe and I'll learn about the Creator. Well, you can learn some things about God by doing that, yes. But if you're going to want to know who Jesus is, there's only one place in the entire universe you can go. Right here. Because it's written down. That's one of the reasons why on Sunday nights we're going through the Gospels. Because those, that is the story of Jesus. If we're going to learn about Him, we ought to study how He lived. We ought to read about His life. And you say, but I've done that before. Uh, so have I. And I'm going to do it again. How about you? Because these are the things that belong to us. Do you know how hard it is in the nursery to give one child a toy and say, this belongs to you for this time and get them to be satisfied with that one toy while you give another toy to someone else? Could I challenge you that is well nigh impossible? Ladies, would you agree with me? Because there's only one thing that makes a child want something else. Somebody else holding it. And aren't we as adults not a whole lot better most of the time? I remember people saying, well, the Mormon church, they're the family church. Do you know that the divorce rate in the Mormon church is multiples of the divorce rate outside the Mormon church? They're not the family church. 
And by the way, I'm living proof that you don't need more than one wife to have a lot of kids. All right? Uh, I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous the things that they pretend to talk about when, listen, those things which are revealed, they, they belong to us and, and to our children. The next generation was talking about this a little bit in the men's prayer breakfast this morning. But I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 10, if you would. Romans chapter 10. And this is cited from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 8. It says, but what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Do you get what Paul's saying here? He starts this chapter by saying, my heart's desire is Israel that they'll be saved and that they have turned their back on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul's not talking about all Jews because the early church was primarily a Jewish organization for the first generation uh, and, and because that's where the Word of God was. True believers, and, and we have gone over this in our dispensational studies on Thursday nights, God worked with the world through Israel. Until the law was fulfilled. And now he works with the world through Jesus Christ. Amen. But that word is nigh thee. You don't have to go far to find the gospel. It's, it's right there. In fact, fitting in with our theme. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me for of such is the kingdom of God. He said, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall no wise enter the kingdom of God. You know, we have a lot of people that are clinging to intellectualism and to trying to figure this thing out. Let me tell you something. There are no secrets that you need to know to understand your need for salvation. It's, it's very plain. Any person who wants to be honest with themselves and with God has to understand, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's, that's not a hard one to figure out. For the wages of sin is death. We like wages. We earn them. We work for them. We give up sleep for them. We do all kinds of things just so we can earn wages. And by the way, you ought to. But if God is going to pay us what we've earned with our lives, it's going to be an eternity in a place called hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
How hard is it to receive a gift? Have you ever met someone you couldn't give anything to? So, I'd just like to give this to you. Oh, no, no. I pay for everything. I'm not going to... If you're going to give me that, I'm going to do something in return. Well, then, I've had people when we give out to John and Romans, and they'll say, listen, I'm not taking anything for free. I said, well, then I can't give you this. I said, part of the agreement we have with the person who printed it is that nothing shall be taken for the book. It must be given to another person. And I said, I'm not going to break my word to the man who printed all of these things. If you won't receive it, I can't give it to you. Well, I've had most people break down at that point and say, okay, okay, give it to me. But do you understand that even though I'm giving you this book without any charge to you, someone paid to have the book printed. And the person who paid to have the book printed wants you to receive it as a gift. Now, that is a very, very little illustration of what Jesus did, is it not? The gift of God is eternal life. It is so precious that God would not be insulted by allowing you to give Him anything for it. If God would accept a hundred million dollars for the work of Jesus Christ, How many people would be able to go to heaven? Very, very few. But even at that price, would that not cheapen the work that Jesus did? Hello, are you with me this morning? Would that not make it set a value on something that there is no value that can be set on the love of God? You see, the Word is not... These things that have been revealed are here. We have them. I am not preaching a new message. The message I preach was written down here before 100 A.D. in the pages of our Bible. I, I want to challenge you. How many other books... In fact, the verse that we're using for our theme today was written down... About fourteen, about 1,600 years before Jesus was born. How many, how many books 3,600 years old are on the shelves in the libraries? How many other books that are that old can you just pick up that are still in print today? You see... The things that are revealed, the things that God has given us, He's given to everybody. That's why we support missionaries all over the world. They're taking that same message that I'm preaching this morning, and I'm preaching it here. And uh, Brother Bob Mack just finished their services, a few morning services, a few hours ago in Ivory Coast. And, and uh, uh, Brother Lucas... Uh, his services have been over probably for about uh, 10, 12 hours now. He's, he's a whole day ahead of us, I believe, there in Siberia. And uh, uh, those, those are the missionaries we support. You see, the message is very simple. 
the things that are revealed, God has given us a charge. If you are saved today, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says, uh, let's just uh, read this here very quickly, uh, starting in verse 5, Romans chapter 10, if your Bibles are still open. Or verse 4, actually. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep. That is to bring Christ up. Bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith... Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what? That's what God's revealed to us. They belong to us if you will obey the words of God and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There are things that should happen after you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? If you've truly trusted Jesus as your Savior, you should stand up and be identified with Him. That's baptism. And His church, which is the body of Christ. And we serve the Lord through the local church. You see, there are some things in the Bible that God has chosen to keep secret. Don't allow yourself to claim to be doing something, looking for something that God doesn't want you to know when you're not being obedient to the things you already know God wants you to know. That's this morning's message. You see, if we'll just take those things which God hath given us and understand that God gave us things in His Word He wants us to do. That's why we have church. Because Jesus set up the church. That's why we still preach the Bible. That's why we give out gospel tracts with the message of salvation on them. And by God's grace, we'll keep giving them out until Jesus comes back. You see, we have received all of these truths that God has given us from the generation before us. And where did they get them? Well, they they got them from the generation before them. Uh, Well, where did they get them? Well, if we'll trace this thing back, 
We can go all the way back to the very days when Paul sat down under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God and wrote these words and sent it to the Roman church. But I don't need a genealogical chart to prove that. What I need is to be obedient to the things that are revealed, to do them. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 29. We'll be done. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And Jesus Christ is the end of the law in righteousness. There's still things that are secret. And we still need to let God hold on to his secrets instead of trying to pry into them. But there's an awful lot that he has given us. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. But it all starts when we get saved. But if you really get saved, then you're really going to want to follow God. Amen? And you're going to want to live for Him. And you're going to want to tell other people. And you're going to want to help pass that truth that God has given us to the next generation. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You today. Lord, we thank You for Your Word and for Your goodness. Lord, we're thankful that You are the holder of the secrets. What You've chosen not to reveal to us, we simply don't need to know. We can trust You. But Lord, help us. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would convict us every moment of every day of the things that we have received. Lord, those that are here today and have yet to make settle the issue of their eternity, that they would understand that revealed in the pages of this Bible is God's simple plan of salvation. Even little child can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And Lord, that we would be challenged to move in that direction of obedience to Christ. Lord, there are many here today that are saved, that are members of this church and have been faithful here over the years. And yet, Lord, sometimes we choose not to take a hold of all those things that you have given us, revealed to us, and instead try to content ourselves with looking for secret things that you have not given to us and will not give to us. Lord, I pray that you would separate us from our foolishness, from our sinful ways. Lord, that you would convict us that we may be obedient to do all that Jesus has commanded us. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as the hymn of invitation is sung. If you need to come to pray, please do so.
If you're here today and you'd like someone to show you what the Bible says about how you may know your sins are forgiven, just look this way as you come up the aisle. We'll take the Bible and show you how you may know.